Well, I'm really excited this morning as we uh, kick off a new series, uh, and the title of our series is Turn Us Again, and the subtitle this morning is Turn. And so we're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks at many different areas, and we want to, right in the middle, talk about the importance of vision, and we'll be talking about our vision for 2022. So I encourage you to start trusting God with us as we study the Word of God, that Christ would be revealed to us and in us in a whole new dimension. Now here in Psalm 80, which is where we get the text of our message, in verse 3 this morning it says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Notice it says, turn us again, not turn it again. You know, so often we, we get so focused on what we're going through, and, and we almost become obsessed by the breakthrough, by the turnaround. But sometimes what we need to do is allow God to turn us and work on the inside. And so I want to encourage us as we start the series this morning, not to let yourself get focused on what you're facing, on what you don't have, or even on what you feel you want right now. But keep your heart before Jesus. Let him minister to you on the inside, because that will make such a difference. So turn with me this morning. We're going to spend most of our morning here in Mark chapter 10. And we're reading from verses 43, just at the onset. It says, Yet shall it not be so among you, Jesus talking to his disciples, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When God's grace touches our lives, it regenerates us and makes us brand new. But I want you to know it also turns our heart towards God. And it changes us from wanting to be great, wanting to be served, to an attitude of wanting to serve Him and those who are around us. But the challenge as you continue to serve God and as you start to mature in the things of God, and as you strive to be consistent, sometimes as we grow and we experience God's blessing and our lives start to get better, or even sometimes when we hit an unexpected trial or circumstances, sometimes we can turn away from God and we begin to question. And so the key this morning is keep enjoying your relationship with God. And keep receiving his amazing grace. Look at John 1 verse 16 in the Passion Translation. It says, And from the overflow of his fullness, we received grace heaped upon more grace. God's grace is always abounding towards you. As we read here in Mark 10, Jesus was busy instructing the disciples on the real heart and and motive of the kingdom is not about becoming great, it's about service. And right there, as as he's defining service, they're on their way to Jericho. And let's pick up the story in verse 46. It says, now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, 
blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Right at the onset of this series, I want to ask you to identify yourself in the story. Firstly, perhaps you identify yourself with the disciples. It says that Jesus was leaving Jericho after being there, and his disciples were with him. The word disciple there in the Greek is the word learner, someone who is in the process of learning. And how many of you know we never get to a place as believers where we can say we don't need to learn anymore? It's an ongoing process, and that's why discipleship is so important. Then maybe this morning you just identify with the multitude because it says here in these verses that Jesus was was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude were with him. And maybe today you're just part of the great multitude. Later on it says, and the many told Bartimaeus to keep quiet. And sometimes what we do is we we just become part of, of, of the whole crowd instead of being the individuals that God has called us to be. Perhaps today you identify with Jesus in the sense that you feel you're the one who's always giving help to everybody else. And I want you to know that sometimes that can be taxing and it can weigh you down and wear you down. But the reality is you'll never be Jesus. (laughs) You can never be the Son of God. But you know what? We can become like Him if we learn to follow him. And then finally this morning, maybe you identify yourself with Bartimaeus. Maybe you're not blind like he was, but maybe you feel at this time in your life, you're really in a place where you need help and and you're desperate and you're struggling with things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to just highlight in this particular case, Bartimaeus, who it says here in the scripture that he was the son of Timaeus, and it simply means that really as a beggar, the word Bartimaeus actually means to be unclean, defiled, or polluted. In other words, he was someone that no one paid attention to. And so we see that as, as Jesus is walking past him or, or maybe approaching him and the multitudes are following him, his disciples are there. He starts to cry out to Jesus. And the second question I want us to ask ourselves today, and and it's important we answer it, is was this Bartimaeus, was his cry a cry of desperation? Was it a cry from, from a beggar asking for something, or was it a cry of faith? And we're going to allow Jesus to answer that for us today because it's quite significant. But I want you to notice something here that is so beautiful. It says... That in Mark 10 verse 49, and we're reading out of the New Living Testament, the, the, the second edition, it says, when Jesus heard him, in verse 49, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind, the blind man, and they said, cheer up. Come on, Jesus is calling you. And I want to say to you today, and I want to encourage you with this today, God is not interested in the crowd, he's interested in you. 
He works with us individually. And all of us are on a different journey and in a different process with God. But he cares about us. Now, not to say he doesn't care about the multitudes because we know he fed the 5,000. But in this story, we see that when he wants to work in someone's life, when, when he wants to bring an empowering and a leading and, and a turning in someone's life, he works with us as individuals. And so we see so powerfully this morning that Jesus heard him. He heard this cry. He wasn't blind. He didn't say, well, who's this guy calling out my name? And oh, he's a nobody. Let's just go on. Bartimaeus got Jesus' attention. And it stopped him in his tracks. And he actually turned towards Bartimaeus. Can I give you a fresh promise this morning? Just like Bartimaeus, your need is God's opportunity. Your need is your qualification for a touch from God. So don't be discouraged today, but cry out to him, approach him, run to him. Because when it comes to your need, there is never anyone who is insignificant to Jesus. So wherever you are and whatever you're going through today, you have access to Jesus. And therefore, you have access to supernatural, divine assistance. And you know something that's so beautiful? You and I have been given the word of God. And the word of God contain the promises of God. And so it's time for you and I to ask our big God to do those things in our lives that we need. And we can start here today. So let's dig into the story and let's, let's pull out some nuggets of truth and encouragement that really set Bartimaeus in a place where he received his miracle. And here in Mark 9 verse 49 in the NLT uh, second edition it says, When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said to him, Tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man and they said to him, Cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. So the first thing we see from the story this morning is that we need to cheer up. We need to cheer ourselves up. You know, no matter what's happening in your life, when you hear the voice of God, when you hear the tugging of the Holy Spirit on your heart, like perhaps you did during the worship this morning, when you, when you realize that He's called you by your name and that you're not insignificant, what you're going through is important to Him, immediately, it cheers you up, it lifts your spirit, and it begins to build your faith. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus, in talking and teaching the disciples, he started in chapter 14 talking about heaven and then speaking about the Holy Spirit and, and preparing them for a time when he would go away. In verse 33, he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you do have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You see, today we're sharing powerful truths from the Word of God that not only will encourage us, but they'll fill our hearts with hope and they'll grow our faith. And so you can learn to be confident and expectant and to believe that your situation is about to turn. And it's going to turn for your good so that your life will be abundantly blessed. Let's look at these verses 
Uh, let's look at this verse in verse 33, because there's some real incredible truths here that sometimes we just quote the scripture, but we miss the depth of it. Firstly, we see here that Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you, which is the word of God. The word of God has spoken to us so that in him we may have peace. The first thing we realize about the scripture is that our peace comes from our relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we think that peace is about having no problems, no struggles, and just everything going well in our lives. But the reality, peace comes out of our relationship with Jesus, out of the fellowship and the confidence we get out of being in contact with him. Then he goes on and he says, in the world you'd have tribulation. Almost like he wanted to give the disciples a reality check. And that teaches you and I today about life, that when you know the word, it's all about perspective. Peace is based on your perspective. And when you have the word, you can always have a godly perspective about what you're going through. Yes, you face reality. Yes, you've got to deal with your daily life. But you do it with a different perspective because you have the word of God, the promises of God, and the wisdom of God in your life to help you to make great decisions. And then finally, he goes on and he says, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, the third thing we learn from this verse is this, is that you and I have been given the authority of Jesus. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, the reason you can cheer up, the reason you can have good cheer is because I have overcome the world. I have made a show of the principalities and powers. And how many of you know in that when we get born again, we receive that authority into our lives? I love this word cheer because this word cheer comes from the Greek word tarsio. And it actually means, it doesn't mean to be happy. It actually means to have courage. It comes from two Greek words. And the first word means to be daring or to be bold. To be daring or to be bold. The second part uh, of this word comes from the, from the word which means to venture out or to act with confidence. To venture out or act with confidence. So the reality is this, is that when I realize that my peace, my perspective and my authority is connected into my relationship with Christ, I can have courage, I can venture out, and I can be bold before my Father in everything that I'm facing. Number two, let's read on in our story. It says, after they'd said to him, cheer up, the master's calling you. It says in verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up to his feet and he came to Jesus. So our next thing that we learn from the story is we've got to throw aside the things that are preventing us. We've got to throw aside the things that are pre preventing us. As a matter of fact, Bartimaeus showed tremendous courage and determination simply by starting to scream out in the crowd for Jesus to help him. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, look what it says here in this part of Scripture. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Notice it says in the beginning, not only must we throw aside the sin that entangles us, but it says throw away every weight. And that's what I believe Bartimaeus did. He chucked off the things that were holding him back. And sometimes you've just got to throw it down. You've got to let go of whatever it is that is preventing you from getting to Jesus and realize today that he's calling your name. Perhaps you feel worn out by the trials and the challenges that have been surrounding you. Perhaps you've been believing for your situation to improve, yet nothing seems to have changed. As a matter of fact, maybe even you feel like it's got worse. The word for you today is now's not the time to give up. Keep persevering because God has a word, God has a miracle, God has a turnaround for you. So throw it aside. Number three, the third thing we can glean from the story this morning is in verse 51. As he comes to Jesus, it says in verse 51, Jesus looked at him and said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you? And I believe that's the question that we need to answer ourselves this morning. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Jesus didn't just presume what this man needed. As a matter of fact, he engaged this man in a conversation and said to him, what is it that you want me to do for you? I had a real giggle when I read this because, you know, often uh, when Mandy and I are talking or discussing something and and maybe I I get a bit worked up and I'm trying to get a point over, I'm wanting her to do something because we're running late, she'll just stop and say, what do you want me to do? And the reality is sometimes that question stops me in my tracks because sometimes I actually don't know what I want her to do. And sometimes we can feel like that in our relationship with God and in, in our walk in our daily lives. We can get so overwhelmed by everything going on around us and we're actually not clear and specific about what we want God to do for us. And so I want to encourage you today. What is it? that you want Jesus to do. Perhaps you should write it down on a piece of paper. Perhaps you should articulate it to someone and be specific. I've discovered in my own relationship with Jesus that when I'm specific, direct, and clear about what I want, I've seen God move so much quicker than when I was just kind of blundering forward and hoping for something to happen. So what do you want Jesus to do for you? Can I give you a prophetic encouragement this morning? As we speak into this moment, as you start to search your heart, what is it really that you'd want God to do for you in this moment? You've been a foot soldier and you've tasted the sweetness of victory, but you've also experienced the pain of defeat. But today, continue to be steadfast, continue to persevere. Do not allow heaviness to grip you and to drag you back. 
walk into this realization this morning of how important it is to remain fresh because Jesus is calling you to a new place of overcoming and victory. Point number four. Do you know what? Jesus says in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, but look at his answer. He says, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. He knew exactly what it was. When he started calling out the name of Jesus, please notice, he knew already what it was he wanted Jesus to do for him. This man might have been a beggar. He might have had a genuine impairment in his life. But you know what? He knew what he wanted. He knew what he needed. And so he displayed a determination and a boldness that got the Lord's attention. And I believe today maybe he couldn't see naturally, but he certainly had a vision for what he wanted his life to be. And so I believe many today may still have their natural eyesight, but spiritually they're blinded from seeing the vision that God has for their lives and therefore experiencing the grace and the truth of God's word that would liberate them. And so in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's allow God's word to begin to give us a picture of our bright future. Let the scales fall off our spiritual eyes and may we be enlightened in the spirit man to begin to see who Jesus really is in our lives. You see, the enemy cannot have the final say because you are a child of the Most High God. So let his word birth a fresh vision in your heart of your bright future. Let it fill you with hope of good things that lie ahead for you. Number five, the fifth thing that we learn from the story of Jesus and Bartimaeus is found here in verse 52. It says, And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now remember right at the beginning of our, of our message this morning, we asked this question from Mark 10 verse 47. Where it said, and when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we asked ourselves this question, was this a cry of desperation or was this a cry of faith? And here we see the answer. Jesus turned to Bartimaeus. He didn't say, Bartimaeus, here yeah, I'm going to heal you. He didn't say to Bartimaeus, here, yeah, let me do a miracle. You know what he said to Bartimaeus? Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And it says immediately he received his sight. You see today, church, faith takes ownership of the word of God. Faith takes it as God speaking to me directly 
And it empowers my spirit to say, if God said it, I believe it, and so I will receive it. And so the encouragement comes to you and I today. Don't let anything talk you out of what God has deposited in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some examples quickly of of how we take ownership of the word through our faith. In Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11, it says, speaking about prayer, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This illustration of prayer that the Lord used here is one of a child who is asking their father for something good. And so we learn from this that faith is the attitude about prayer that God hears me and because we are righteous, because we are in right relationship with him, his ears are open to what we're talking to him about. In other words, faith takes ownership by knowing inwardly that our God is a good, good father. So if you need something today, ask Jesus for it. Ask him and believe that you receive it from him in Jesus' name. Turn to Mark 11 and verses 22 to 26 and we'll see a beautiful picture of this playing out right here in the scriptures. In Mark 11 from verse 22 it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. The one translation says, Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Wow, isn't that incredible? Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I read all the way because last week Mandy preached a brilliant message on the power and the grace to forgive. And I just want you to know that is so connected to our faith experience with God and the things we say, it's very important to connect with that this morning. Your words have power. And so we need to grow and develop in this area of faith. Notice how out throughout the story, as Jesus engaged with Bartimaeus, he said to him, what do you want me to do? Bartimaeus didn't say, well, I don't know, would you just do something? No, he was clear, and whatever he said, Jesus did it for him. And so we close this morning, and number six is this. It's from that same verse that we just read. In, uh, in verse 52, Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Look what it says at the end of that verse. It says, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. So number six is this. We learn from the story the importance of following Jesus. 
Isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't need to say to Bartimaeus, okay, you need to join my church, you need to go through basic concepts, and then you need to become a partner, and then you need to do this, and then you need to follow me. You know what? Jesus didn't have to say that because the interaction that he had with Bartimaeus, the fact that he treated him with respect and love, the fact that he'd received his miracle, the natural response of the experience he had with Jesus was to follow him. We've got to allow Jesus to turn us. And the way we allow him to turn us is by staying tender before him and keeping him at the center of all our pursuits in life. You see, if you're just pursuing a marriage so that you can be happy, I want you to know even the world does that. Even the world wants to be in a happy marriage. But you know what? When you make Jesus the center of your marriage, it becomes a spiritual journey where you begin to glorify God through each other and the way you live. And you know what the outcome of that is? Not only are you walking in purpose, you become an example to other people. You glorify God and you will experience satisfaction. Remember what we read in Hebrews 12, 1. Maybe we turn back there quickly. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And then this last sentence says, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, following Jesus is about running the race that God has set before you. And the only way we can do that is by keeping Jesus at the center of everything. He goes on in, 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 in the book of Corinthians and Paul says this. He says, each part of the body has a specific function. And when you function in that specific function God has given you, the whole body begins to work together in unity and we function as the body of Christ and we begin to be effective. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and I hope that God has touched your life in a special way. Let's pray together. Father, whoever's listening today and whatever it is they need of you today, I pray that you would meet that need right where they are today in Jesus' name because your grace always supplies. Perhaps you're listening today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you decided today God's tugged at your heart and you want to follow him. Then would you pray this prayer with me from Romans chapter 10. Just pray it aloud and be sincere in your heart. God will do the rest. Let's pray. Say, Father God, I believe today that Jesus is your son. That he died on the cross of Calvary for me and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Christ into my life today and I thank you for saving me. If you've just got born again, then you've become a Christ follower. And it's one of the most incredible and beautiful decisions that you can ever make. So would you please send us an email or send us a WhatsApp. We'd love to know that you made that decision today. And we'll go ahead and send you a beautiful little booklet and a Bible so that you can continue your journey with Him. Before we close today, if you'd like to know anything about our ministry, you can go to rfcfc.com. That's our website. You can go to our Facebook page and you can find out everything about our church, including 
our banking details. If you'd like to sow a seed into our ministry, you can do that through the EFT uh, from your own bank account into ours. Or you can just follow and scan the snap scan code that's appearing on your screen right now. And we just want to say thank you for your generous generosity. Don't forget, church is open again. Our children's church is open. And we'd love to see you here on a Sunday. If you're down on the south coast in the Ramsgate area, our services are 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Or you can simply join us online. Kids Church premieres at 8 a.m. And the adult service at 9 a.m. God bless you. Have a powerful week. And don't forget, you can join us for online communion and Bible study at Hopos 6 this Thursday. Thank you.